This is Jeremy Allenball, and you are listening to the Section 109 Podcast. Welcome into the Section 109 Podcast. I'm your producer, Jay Buchanan, and with me, as always, are my two co-hosts, and I'll let them introduce themselves. This is Breezy, and I'm here with... This is Matt Coniglio. Mm-hmm. Awesome, guys. So what are we uh, What are we doing on the pod tonight? Today we have our first ever, and hopefully not our first uh, or only ever, interview with Jeremy. Jeremy Allenbaugh, the new executive director of Chattanooga Football Club. I Welcome, believe it's Jeremy. the managing director. Managing director. All right. Well, Jeremy's actually sitting here with the intro. So did I get your last name pronounced correctly? Close enough. It's been worse. It's been better. And I don't know what the difference. <laughs> I don't know what the difference between an executive and a managing director is. But I think a managing director is more used in Europe for uh, football clubs that are like us gotcha. that have ownership groups and boards and all kinds of outstanding things. So I didn't know that. Happy to be here. Nice. Well, we have a really fun episode coming up. We are going to uh, pepper Jeremy with a million questions. I, I don't know that uh, he's gonna. He might regret coming here is what I'm what I'm trying to say, but it's going to be fun. But also, we, but we brought him beer, so it's fine. That is true. And also, if you ever have to correct Matt, you you have to start with well, actually, and then listen. I'm a man of facts. Okay, oh, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Of, of dubious facts. <laughs> dubious only because you don't like them. Sometimes they're not facts, but anyway. <laughs> okay, so let's let's dive straight in then. Um, so, Jeremy, you're here in Chattanooga. This is not your first stop and obviously not the first place uh, for your soccer journey. So if you will start with wherever you're comfortable, um, kind of give us your soccer journey, whether that starts when you're a kid or wherever that starts. And uh, yeah, kind of however you'd like to frame that. Yeah. So let's go way, way back, if that's OK, because uh, I think it's important. It's OK. Of okay, course. Good. Um, so I grew up in a small town called Hinkley, Illinois. Random fact for Matt over here, I guess, is it's the... <laughs> Home, like that, man. Yeah, it's the home of the uh, Harlem Globetrotters' very first game ever. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, nice. yeah, that's a really yeah, cool so it's fact. A really cool fact, I guess. Um, but it was a small farm town, no high school football. Soccer was the go to sport in the fall. So my dad was a uh, soccer coach, eventually got into administration and such. But growing up, I was a ball boy in the sidelines. I went to all the games when they went to state. I rode the fan bus to state with uh, my mom and because uh, my dad was there, obviously, coaching with the team. and. So it's just crazy that I grew up in a town that soccer was life and death. It was every day. It was just homecoming parade with soccer. So from there into playing, um, you know, club, youth, high school. And I think for me, the real passion I saw was always growing up, you know, seeing the game from different levels. My dad became a college referee, things like that. Mm -hmm. We moved to Champaign, Illinois, and they didn't have high school soccer. We had club soccer. So here I moved there in sixth grade. And I saw my dad, uh, who was a principal at the time, and a bunch of other parents fight their asses off to get high school soccer put in the Champaign uh, public schools. And they funded the high school program for the first four years for the two public schools in Champaign. That's wow. Awesome. So that just shows the passion and you know the resilience. So then uh, went off to college and played. And I remember going to my dorm room with the old phones that weren't in your pocket, right? I called called my dad on his office phone and nobody has an office phone anymore. And I said, Hey, guess what? I'm switching my major to education. He goes, well, I knew this was going to happen, but I let you fumble your way through a semester of (laughs) journalism and business administration. And, um, and I said, I think I want to coach. And he said, yep. And so kind of that was sophomore year of college. And then from there, club jobs, um, ended up at uh, Missouri state for graduate school. 
and coaching Division One there, and just continue to get the bug. Moved to Chicago for a variety of jobs up there at the awesome. club level, PDL level. Um, ended back up in Springfield, Missouri, when uh, my wife and and I uh, became pregnant with our daughter, who's a freshman in high school right now, currently. So shout, shout out to to that shows how old I am, but shout out to Sydney <laughs> there, and um, you know from there stumbled our way up to St. Louis, and obviously a, a great. 10 years there, you know, the last five with St. Louis FC. And then when this opportunity came on, it was just uh, the next great step. And just, it's very hard to find a club that matches up, as I said, you know, early on with your values and what you think a club should be about and what it should stand for. And it goes back all the way to that story where soccer was life and death as an elementary kid, Mm -hmm. you know, the homecoming parade and just all the little things that it was everything that town revolved around those Mm -hmm. games in the fall. And it was, it's just been in my blood ever since, and it's in my blood here in Chattanooga. Very cool. So when did you first become aware kind of of CFC? I mean, obviously, CFC was founded in 2009. Um, were you in St. Louis around that time? And then when did kind of CFC enter your orbit of, I guess, just knowing that it existed? So it kind of started a little bit right when we got to St. Louis um, because we were actually looking, St. Louis Scott Gallagher, at um, going into the MPSL. So we mm. didn't have a senior team for our, you know, academy guys to go into or come back and play for. All of our college guys would go to other NPSL or other sure. uh, PDL teams to play. So started to find out, do some research. Um, Chattanooga is one of the clubs that you know the NPSL pointed us to. Mm-hmm. Um, Makes sense. And then like everybody else, when the national finals were here and the Don Garber comment was made, <laughs> and, um, you know. Uh, the national team games that were hosted just kind of got more and more of my, my attention. And then obviously the last 18 months, it's been even uh, a bigger part of the national soccer landscape, world soccer landscape. So that was probably my first introduction was those very first NPSL saying, hey, here's our league. And if you want to know how good it can be, and they would point at us to look at, you know, at this club. Nice. Uh, and I guess maybe even more specific and personal inside baseball. Um so inside soccer in this case, uh, when did you find out the uh, job was coming up to, to kind of run the club? Um, like when did that enter your orbit? And, and I guess, was it from the beginning that you were like, I got to apply or, or what, what, uh, what was kind of your first reaction to that? LinkedIn, everybody's favorite networking thing, right? <laughs> I did, so, I did that's not, not what I expected. Yeah. <laughs> Neither did I. Oh gosh. Come on, guys. We live in that. Uh, that's that's a pretty CFC thing, though, for, yeah. for it to be on LinkedIn. I don't so, even think I've updated my profile in like three years on there. <laughs> no, you haven't, because I don't. You know, where you're at now is not where uh, your LinkedIn profile says. No, I'm just <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think I've touched mine. If I need to, that shows how much uh, how professional I am. And um, you know, so it popped up that uh, you know Sheldon was you know stepping on to you know to other things, and there was this thing, and I just so I looked at it for a day and a half, and. Made some phone calls when you do when you're in this business and talked to a few people that, you know, are pretty well connected and said, hey, what are your thoughts? Does this match up? And every single person said, yes, this matches up with your next step and the club's next step. And then more importantly, your skill set. So that was it. Um, followed the normal protocol of stalking people on social media. And of trying course. To, <laughs> listening to a few podcasts to find out, OK, is this thing for real? What's going on? Making the phone calls behind the scenes. Uh, started with a phone call with a few uh, board members and owners, and then uh, came down for a visit the Milwaukee yes. Founders Cup Milwaukee's yes. weekend, and um, just kind of rolled from there. And here we are today, man. Yeah, you got a you got a uh, a taste for the the rain and CFC combination. Yeah, yeah that's in the past, <laughs> and also in this weekend. I mean, knock from your lips to the to the weather god's ears. <laughs> I don't know what to do with more rain. Well, the, I mean, I'm coming from 
from a club where we had two, you know, hundred year floods within eighteen months that yeah. destroyed our stadium and you know, it's just weather's one thing you can't deal with and you just, you know, you gotta gotta figure it out. So like obviously you brought the rain with you is what you're trying to say. I did not. I uh, think I think we've had some rain problems for a lot longer than than Jeremy. I mean, uh, it, has been in town. But if the if the stadium floods, though, I'm blaming Jeremy. Oh, 100 percent. You can throw that at me if if Finley if that thing floods, <laughs> throw that at me, Breezy. Not a problem. We've we I think we've tried to flood it before a couple times and been unsuccessful. I so. mean, it's got that special underlayment. It. I think if it floods, we might have a warranty claim of some kind. <laughs> let's uh let's move on to some rapid fire questions, and then we'll come back to. Uh, some other like just general CFC things uh, and things that I think our listeners will probably care a slight bit more about. So is that a nice way of saying they're not going to care about my answers here? Uh, it depends on what your answers are. Okay. Ooh. Fair enough. Saucy. So we're getting personal. Here uh, we go. This, this can include your time as a player. Uh, it can also include just if you're superstitious in any way, what's your favorite pregame meal? Ever since I started coaching and moving into this role, I typically do not eat on game day until the game is done. As a player in college, Country Kitchen, which you probably never heard of unless you've been in the state of Wisconsin. That was where we ate all of our pregame meals, it feels like. But typically, uh, eat a little breakfast on the on the game day, and then I do not really... I might sneak a bratwurst or something at tailgate because uh, I will come and visit you guys on game day at tailgate before nice. I go do all my duties. So I usually... There will be food. No, I... I I can imagine, um, you know, that's every good tailgate and every good supporters group. Ha- well, most good supporters groups have that, and I guarantee you guys do. So we do, we do. I would usually get to the stadium a little bit early, go down, catch up before it got real crazy, grab a quick something to eat there if I felt like that was going to help. Uh, and if not, it's I'd, I usually try not to, to eat till the game's over. Fair enough. I, is it nervous energy? It is, and it, it's a little bit of nervous energy, and it's just honestly trying to stay focused, mm. you know, throughout everything that has to go on in the game day. In this role, it's, you know, the team that's, you know, the coaching staff and those guys they got that taken care of, but it's just mainly everything else that needs to occur, um, you know, from game day ops to you know the broadcast and what's going on to make sure. So it's it really helps me stay focused. That makes sense. Yeah. So I, going off of that, the opposite. What would your favorite post game meal be? Preferably let's, after, let's say after preferably a win. Let's after just say a after W. A, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> technically, whatever I can get my hands on in the stadium at that moment. But if I had a choice, uh, wings, 100%. Mm. There you go. Well, they have some pretty good ones at CBC. Yeah, CBC's so. got decent wings, yeah. So uh, let's, let's pivot off CFC for a second. What's your favorite club team not named CFC? Uh, Liverpool. Very easily. Yep. So it's a good year for you. Knock on wood, as a Liverpool supporter, we have to do that. It's a great year for us. I mean, I think we've... Um, I mean, your team's okay. Right now, yeah. we're okay. We're decent. We've been, You've won a few games. We've been not decent uh, in the past. But, you know, I've been, you know, a supporter of theirs for years, and it started out, like, I think similar to how a lot of people, you know, jump on their European or South American team that they enjoy. It's either family. You know, there's a connection there with a, a mom or a dad or an uncle or a cousin that enjoys that team. For me, it was they just happened to be on TV on that one, you know, EPL game or whatever the league was called at the time. You know, um, they were that one game that was usually on on the Saturday. And so John Barnes and Ian Rush and those uh, are the guys that I started watching. And then, um, you know, their jerseys were always cool. And so I just kind of been with them forever. That's uh, that's unfortunate, but, you know, <laughs> fair enough. I mean, when you say their, their, their jerseys were cool, their jerseys are red and plain and. 
It's a, it's a it looks good, like they belong in MLS. It's a, it's a good logo though. <laughs> Liverpool has a clean logo. Liverpool has a nice aesthetic, Matthew. Okay, fine. And and it's, it's, it's Paul okay. Rustand isn't here. It's, you don't have to o- yell. It's just okay. Okay, <laughs> it's it's okay. The Spurs fan in you is coming out. You got a Spurs fan, a City fan, and an Arsenal hater. Uh, <laughs> my, my favorite team is whoever's playing Arsenal. But now that just feels mean. Previous to now, I could do that, and it was it. And now it just feels mean. Don't so don't bad. downplay your support for Fiorentina. Oh yeah, no, Fiorentina is for sure my my team. I just meant the Premier League. Oh, I don't know my Premier fair, League. Fair enough. So the crazy thing is, I've seen a game at Arsenal at the um, both the old and the new stadium. And wow. I've seen a game at Spurs, not the new one, and I haven't seen a game at Anfield. But I've been to Anfield. It was just summertime and ah. the fan shop, and that was about it. Well, maybe we can uh, take a CFC trip uh, with the with the first team, I mean. Yeah, it sounds good. Anfield and play at Anfield. There you go. Hey, if we win the Open Cup, we might play. I mean, one of those going the, you might go in the Champions, the uh, CONCACAF Champions win League. Win the Open Cup, get to the CONCACAF Champions League, and then win the we'll CONCACAF be in Champions League and Qatar, and there you go. <laughs> I'm I'm in I'm in. Who was your favorite soccer player when you were growing up? Maybe your soccer idol, if you had one. Uh, Rudy Glenn. Anybody know who he is? I do not. Uh, I'm Fair enough. A blank here. He's uh, he was number eight for the Chicago Sting back in the old NASL days. He played at Indiana. He was a uh, center mid. He kicked a lot of people, and that's what I did. And <laughs> that sounds I was awesome. More, <laughs> I, and he had a sweet curly mullet hairdo. There's a lot of guys from the '80s did. So I wore number eight a lot as a kid. Um, because Rudy Glenn for sure. Now, what kind of player were you when you when you were playing in college? Midfielder, striker, a pacey, tricky winger. What were you? A you guy might, that just fouls. You can edit the pacey part out. That's definitely <laughs> not, not me. Um, you know, as a youth player, I played center back and in, in center mid for ODP and club and high school and all that. In college, I started as a center back. As we got better players on our team, I moved from a center back to. Um, an outside midfielder that would do a lot of defending and, uh, when we got to the NCAA tournament and not do a lot of attacking. So if we were winning and we were up, I would get subbed in to just kill the game off. And, nice. you know, as you said, kick a few guys and defend a little bit. <laughs> Listen, fouling is winning. Yeah, <laughs> fouling is winning. And we did a fair amount of that in college. I was, I was lucky um, fouling and winning. But, um, you know, so, yeah, I typically played in the middle uh, of the park. Um, you know, more brains and technique than athleticism, but, uh, you know, love playing and it was just, you know, such a huge, huge part of me growing up. How do you play anymore? You want another funny story? I know yes. we're going to try to keep this. So, um, got done playing. Uh, we went to the final four, my senior year, played in a couple men's, you know, indoor cash tournaments with all the other guys that graduated that year. Did that through that winter and a little bit into that next fall and haven't played a game since. And that was 1995. Really? Wow. Yeah. Would you be interested in nope. joining? Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. Um, I mean, Shot I would, down. you know, and I, and prob- part there- of it was, you know, when you're doing club coaching back in Chicago and in Springfield, St. Louis, it's five, six nights a week from five yeah. to 10 in the yeah. field. Mm. And the last thing you want to do is go play a game and get kicked by somebody and you may feel like kicking somebody after coaching kids for a <laughs> yeah, while. Yeah. But um, honestly, just the, you know, I just put so much into my craft of this role and this job and, you know, getting to these opportunities that I just never felt the desire to go back and play. And I was always that guy, if I couldn't do my best, I didn't, wasn't into it, didn't want to play. It wasn't something I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So um, love the game, obviously, but yeah. just, you know, from that standpoint, it's, you know, some people consider that really weird, but it's just kind of, fit you know me and where where, where i came from you know i actually to- completely and totally understand that uh because when i when i gave up the 
when I when I gave up the running career, uh, although it did not last very long or was not or was also not very spectacular. I don't think I ran like a step for like two years. So I totally I totally get that one. Yeah. And if you played soccer with him, you see he still doesn't run. <laughs> Listen. Just scores well, goals. You were talking He's about a- giving up the career and I got nervous. I'm like you know, open tryouts are only 360 days away. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, Matt's a luxury striker. Okay. A luxury I'm, I'm pretty much a luxury, no matter what position you play me player. <laughs> That's because he doesn't hustle people at home. I was hustling plenty the other night on the futsal fields for your team. Okay. La- I don't last hear this. That was last night. And we did win five, three. So thank you for that. Yeah. You're welcome. Call- so getting back on track with the rapid fire questions. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks producer Jay. Um, sorry. Something that goes along with the beautiful game, uh, hand in hand is drinking alcohol, uh, for my, and the Chattahooligans experiences at least. Um, so what is your favorite alcoholic beverage, especially when you're watching? I'm a beer guy for sure. Especially when I'm watching, if it's early in the morning on a Saturday, watching Liverpool down at the, uh, it's Amsterdam Tavern in St. Louis. Here it's feed, and I was there. Yeah, everyone just calls it the feed. Okay, it so is feed. I think it's feed table, table and co, tavern. Co and tavern. I think. So I was down there. If it's early in the morning to watch them, it'd be a Guinness. Any other game, it doesn't matter. Just a beer. If it's summertime and I'm not watching a game, it'd be a gin and tonic. Oh, yeah, there, there you go. go. Yeah, gin and tonics are, are definitely where it's at. G and Do you have any hidden talents? Probably no. Um, as a kid, you know, I haven't done it as much lately. And if you walk out to the driveway and you see, um, but as a kid, whenever we got chosen to go to Europe for whether it was a club tournament or a trip or ODP or whatever, we had to pay to play, as they say. And mm. we, the rule was we had to raise um, 50% of the money and then the family, mom and dad, would do the other part of the trip. So uh, my dad was a huge car guy, is a huge car guy growing up. And he's like, look, if you can figure out how to, you know, wash cars really well and, and wax and do a, you know, a full uh, detail job on a car, uh, you can earn some money. So I did that for a little bit. So if I really, really have to, I could detail the crap out of a car. Interesting. Nice. But I'm guessing that uh, since you did that as a child, if you're anything like me in lawn mowing, you pay someone to do that now if you get it done. <laughs> I've, I do it a little bit here and there, um, but not, uh, yeah, that's exactly the same uh, idea for sure. Yeah, I refused to mow my lawn. That's the promise I made myself as a child. That I, when I got old enough and I had money, I was never going to mow my lawn. Again. <laughs> if I survive this, I will not do it. Yep. Um, soccer superstitions. Anything on game day? I chew a certain type of gum on game day. What type is that? I can't tell you. Okay, fair enough. And that's the only. That's your only soccer superstition. Um, I mean, I got little things in. Um, I feel like if I say them, there's going to be bad luck, so I don't want to do. I don't want to say it. I, I respect that, honestly. Okay. <laughs> but um, the one Excellent superstition. Yeah, the one that's out there is um, is the uh, there's a certain type of gum, and I only chew that gum on game day. And it's I only know gum. other days. Yeah, I know other days. That's awesome. Interesting. That's how you. That's how you know it's the day. Yeah. All right. Nice. So uh, a pretty popular question for a lot of our rapid fire sections is: uh, Do you listen to music while you work out? When I work out, it'd be a mixture of a podcast or music. Nice. Um, more so podcast lately in terms of, you know, I used to have a 45-minute drive to work each way, mm. and now I got like a six-minute drive. Hey, that's um, nice. So I'm so far behind, and I started work my workouts again this week, so it's been I'm more of a podcast guy when I work out. I'm the exact same way. At least you listen to something. 
Unlike not a Caleb Cole and Sheldon, just the <laughs> psychos that don't listen to anything. I mean, when I heard that, I heard that uh, podcast when I was going through all the, all the interview stuff, and Sheldon said he didn't like music. I'm like, man, this might not work because I'm, hu- I'm, I'm a huge music guy. And then I met I met Sheldon, and we had breakfast when I was here, and I asked him right away, I mean, "Really, no music?" And he's like, "Well, that's not totally true." And um, but yeah, it was that scared me a little bit. Yeah, yeah I mean, only weirdos. Like, you got to be a real weirdo not to listen to music when you work out, or at least listen to something. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you only work out once every month, I get it, but you know. You gotta do something, man. So, uh, do you did you make any New Year's resolutions? Uh, and and if not, that's not a big deal. But what should CFC's New Year's revolution uh, resolutions be? Ooh, New Year revolutions also good. Fair. I didn't make any personal ones. Um, I've been trying to do a few things more and more. Um, in terms of just nutrition and more reading, less watching. Um, as I tell my daughter, who's ingrained in Hulu and Netflix, <laughs> I'm like, you they'll know, get you. We watched a movie the other day, and they're in some or no, it was a Saturday Night Live skit, and she's like, "Learn a book," and I'm like, instead of read a book, I'm like, you know, that's what the little skit said. So <laughs> that, that was our joke all Christmas, Sydney. You know, learn a book, and um, so I'm trying to read more, and definitely into a few good things right now. So, but I didn't really make any resolutions in terms of what CFC should be. Man, I mean, there's been so weather, but we don't control that. I guess. Sure. I mean, yeah. we should just try harder. Come yeah. on, Jonathan <laughs> Hunter. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, we can blame it on him. Um, I mean, just really try to continue, uh, you know, to take positive steps and towards where we all think this club can go and mm-hmm. uh, where it will go. Um, and that's just going to, you know, come down to, to little details and little things, which I think we've made some big progress in, but. Um, you know, maybe a little bit more consistent, um, you know, with, um, some of our messaging in terms of, you know, the quality of, of what we put out with, you know, with some things, um, I mean, look, our branding and all that is spot on, but I'm just talking, um, you know, from a communication standpoint, being ahead of the game a little bit mm. and, but you know, it's, it's hard because sports, there's an urgency level. Like sometimes something pops up and you just have to deal with it quickly. Sure. Um, but we've been talking a little bit about just being ahead of things and a little bit more of planning and less reaction, but the club's been in a difficult spot for the last 18 months where they've had to just react and, and be urgent. And now we're in a, where we can take a step back, have a deep breath and, and have some planning. So I would say probably just, you know, the planning of our messaging and communication. Yeah. Yeah. And Perfect. we can, we can talk more about like that kind of general CFC stuff. Sure. And the, uh, in, in, in the regular part, but we've got one more very, very important, super important question. Some might say the most important in our, in our rapid fire. I would put it up there with some of the, like, one of the most important questions we're going to ask tonight. Breezy, you want to do the honors? I will. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Yes or no? Pineapple belongs on pizza if it's with one other topping and that could be bacon, pepperoni, but it has to be just two top pineapple and one other thing. You can't have Green pepper, black olive, pineapple. No, it has to be limited to two. Pineapple and one other thing. Beautiful. I agree. I agree. I'm a, I'm a pineapple pepperoni kind of guy. That works. Like the yep. double peas. I still disagree because pineapple does not belong on pizza. Well, it's three to one currently. So Thank goodness. Because sometimes we're in here and it's like both players are like, ew, no pineapple. <laughs> and they're right. Actually, in the majority of the time we have had and uh, <laughs> no pineapple. And they are all wrong. <laughs> Maybe those guys were not bringing back. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't be mad. Speaking of, uh, is there anything you can tell us? Uh, Ooh, yeah. Break a little news before. Because 
I mean, we're recording on Wednesday. On a Wednesday night, we've already announced Richard Dixon. Which was awesome. Coming yes. to the club. Our first professional signing. Um, Shut up, Richard. In case you have not looked at the, the press releases and, and the news yet, he's played in the past for St. Louis. He's played for Oklahoma City. He played for Charlotte Eagles and for uh, a Tampa Bay team that was not the Rowdies. And... Didn't he play at West Florida? As he well? also played for for uh, West Florida for Bill, uh, and and was there. I think it's for his senior season, uh, the year that that Peter Fuller was down there. So uh, obviously a lot of familiarity with uh, Rich with Richard for for our uh, for our staff, uh, and obviously familiarity for him with the pro game. And I think he'll be an invaluable asset for us. Did you uh, know? I guess you had him in St. Louis, correct? Yeah, he was Richard was with us in 2015 and 2016. Um, it's been said all over. I mean, just look at social media. I mean, how many player announcements get 160, you know, likes or whatever the heart thing is, and you know, yeah. all the retweets. Great person, good player, good leader. Uh, he's going to allow our younger guys to understand uh, the ins and outs of the pro game, and I think that's a, a big reason why he's here. Quality on the field. He also recently finished his uh, USSF C license as part of the uh, program they did for the pro guys to go oh, get the license. Cool. That's so awesome. he's starting to work into that um, part of his uh, of his career as well. So he'll add a little bit of element there in terms of helping with the staff and some things. He Knows- was he was already at uh, sorry to interrupt. Yep. He was already at open tryouts uh, on on Saturday uh, this past Saturday, helping w- with the, a clipboard in hand, helping the staff out with with some evaluations and nothing says coach like a clipboard yeah exactly so i wouldn't have i mean i would have just thought he might have been like an athletic prepper you know someone who prepares the team but then he had a clipboard when you have a clipboard it means you're You're something more than just like the guy that's warming everybody up he got that at the ussf stuff so i'm sure that's that official clipboard it's what it was (laughs) now now suddenly 30 years the last 30 years of united states soccer like totally makes sense yes um no but great (laughs) Great person, great guy, and he's the first of uh, of the you know announcements we have. I would say seven to eight guys that have agreed to terms, and now it's great. a matter of getting contracts back, uh, starting to work on on visas, getting registrations into the league, getting the federation to approve them. So as those start to trickle out, uh, we'll get some announcements here very very soon on some guys, but um, you know some exciting guys coming back from the past and some. New guys that have specifically, similar to Richard, chosen CFC to be their next spot and their next step. Um, and for a variety of reasons, whether it's the support, whether it's the opportunity, whether it's, you know, the coaching staff, just the city of Chattanooga or, you know, what the club stands for. They're all choosing to come back here. And look, we had some some close calls with some guys, you know, with some uh, other opportunities. And, you know, now we've, uh, we've got a good number and we're, we're excited to put some familiar faces out there and, and a few new ones, too. So awesome. from when a player agrees to terms, um, from, from when that happens uh, to getting the contract, getting the register with NISA, then U.S. soccer, getting the approvals back, how, how long roughly does that part of the process take? Depends on the player. And I love them all, but it depends how quickly they get the contract that Jordan sends them after Peter and Bill get all the hard work done. Jordan sends them the contract. They send it back. It gets signed. We get it sent into the league. It, it it could be anywhere from three days to ten days. Okay. Yep. Some guys are a little slower to sign than others. <laughs> you or, or say, you or, said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> and some guys are real fast to sign. They're just like, oh, yes, let's get this done before you change your mind and get it in. But, um, no, it's it's uh, it doesn't matter. It's the same way in St. Louis. It's a process. And it just 
you know, sometimes we're dealing with different time zones, different countries, mm. and yeah. they're trying to sign something on their phone electronically, and it's just, it's crazy. But um, we're, the guys uh, are doing, the staff is doing a great job of getting players that are going to help us and um, working through the, this is their first time through it. So it's yeah. been, it's been good. So super inside baseball, does all of that happen electronically? Do they have to actually print it out, sign it, scan it, fax it? Like, how does this work? There's uh, no fax machines, right? Please tell me there's no fax there's machines. There's no fax machines. Beautiful. <laughs> okay, good. Um, but it's uh, it depends on the player and their technology. We okay. send everything electronically with a, an opportunity for them to sign it, whether DocuSign or DocuHub, yeah. yeah. whatever. It just depends if they're comfortable doing it that way or if they want to print it out. Okay. And that, that doesn't that there's probably three people out there uh, that may hear this in in ever and, and think that's interesting. But I, I, I thought I was I thought it was interesting. Okay, good. <laughs> Felt well, there's little, one. <laughs> there, so all right, there's the nerd. He's out to relist. <laughs> uh, should be unapologetic uh, soccer nerds. <laughs> so uh, as we transition out of your soccer journey and kind of into the and I know we've already kind of done it into today's world. Um, managing director versus a technical director versus a general manager. That's a question that I hear a lot and I, I'm sure you hear a lot and uh, maybe we can clear up some of that uh, and, and, you know, kind of understand what those roles are, how they divide up. And then what, after that kind of what the day-to-day role looks like, especially for you. It kind of just depends on each club has a different term they want to use. If you look now in the U S the big fancy term, instead of technical director is sporting director, because mm. we have clubs called such and such sporting or sporting such and such. So a lot of it is just what the club looks at, but some of it does come down to the role, you know, in, in St. Louis, um, I can only talk about where I've been. So from a standpoint of, uh, you know, of being the GM, you know, that was because I did a lot of stuff on the technical side, but I also had a lot of business, uh, type things that I that I did as well, overseeing the business side. Technical director is uh, solely someone that's involved heavily on the technical side. Mm. So for us, that's Bill, and that's his role. He you know drives the the vision of the team, the structure of the team. Works with you know Peter and, and the guys in terms of putting together everything. That wasn't me. Um, <laughs> putting together what the team that was, was co-host Matthew. <laughs> putting the team together and what it's going to look like and, and and all of that and really driving that direction. The managing director kind of serves in between uh, the ownership group, the board of directors here at CFC, and then the rest of the club. So I'm overseeing, you know, ticket sales and, and our, our partnerships and, um, you know, messaging and branding and all that. And then I do have some roles in the technical side as well. So it's just, you know, tomato, tomato type of thing. And then general manager is a term that we've been familiar with before, but is it fair to say kind of general manager has been absorbed into the mostly, you know, the technical director, but a little bit into the managing director Correct. as well? Perfect. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Cool. So your day-to-day, um, jur- your day-to-day responsibilities, what does that kind of look like? Now you've been here, what, four weeks, three weeks? How long? Uh, I know you've been December back. December 1st. And then, yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah, we're a little over a with, month. With some holidays there. Um, what What is kind of your daily... Um, thing look like what what kind I, I know every day is a little bit different but what are kind of the standards that you're doing every day well i wake up no i'm just kidding I can just do that. <laughs> oh <laughs> um no it's uh you hit it on the head it's different every day and that's why i love this position so much because today was heavily um uh working on some ticketing things some scheduling uh stuff in terms of some friendlies both some domestic friendlies with go some on clubs. no <laughs> go on and uh, and those type of things and then we also went and looked at office furniture for our new office and then um, you know some planning stuff you know with uh, staff and you know looking at some partnership packages we're putting together yesterday was completely different yesterday was 
all meetings uh, with potential partners and uh, partners that are coming back that have supported the club for a number of years. And it was all based on that. And then at night was a few technical things, you know, um, spoke with Bill and Peter on a couple of questions and some thoughts and how to maybe structure some things, giving them some ideas. So that's every day is completely different. I'm in the office every day. Sure. um, You know, in terms of that, but it's just different. And that's why I love it so much because it's not, it's not the same. and, And that makes it really enjoyable for me personally. So you said partnerships. Is that the, uh, is that like sponsors? Is that yes. something different? Yeah, that's a partner. That's a, the formerly known, not just for us, but throughout uh, all of sports as sponsorships. And now it's partly, I think, because of social media, it's become more of a partnership because, you know, businesses and organizations that want to align with CFC and what we stand for and what we're about and our mission and what we think a you know a soccer club should look like and sure. how a soccer club should really you know with our vision interact in the community they want to partner with us they don't want to sponsor us they don't yeah. want to, they don't want to just write a check and slap a name on a a logo on a board anymore they want to partner and they want to you know through social media connect with our fans and connect with our supporters and you know and our ownership across the world they they want to do those type of things so partnership has kind of become the new word for sponsorships not just with us but throughout sports i love i love that i uh, i know that i frequent um i i genuinely frequent cfc sponsors like dos bros there's a million different burrito joints in town now and that's good that's a good thing because i like burritos but yep. the dos bros downtown with the uh, cfc sign outside of it not only do they support cfc they also support our friends at the 433 soccer pod and like between those two things if i'm picking where to go i often go to dos bros and i i I think that partnerships is a really, really cool way to frame that and, and much more accurate to how uh, things work now. So that's really cool. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. And yeah, especially for awesome. especially for this club, I'm, you know, yeah. I mean, for other clubs, maybe it is about writing a check and slapping a name because they don't really care and there's no connection to the community. But for us, it's about that connection. It's about that partnership, and we have to bring more things to the table. Beautiful. Um, you know, so I think it really lines up with our values. Yeah. Now you mentioned uh, you mentioned a new office. Yeah. Yes. What's that? A little Easter so, egg. So we don't have we don't have our our office on Thirteenth Street anymore. In the back of a Firestone garage. Uh, the old Clumpy's ice cream factory, actually. Yeah, it's that that warehouse. Okay, he said Thirteenth Street, and I'm I know it's I know where it is, but I don't know if it's on Thirteenth Street. <laughs> across from Urban when Stack. I put, when I put in my Google, it's across Urban Stack. Yeah. Yes, and that you know you go outside to make a phone call. <laughs> At four o'clock, and you smell the burgers and oh, stuff. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> forget it. So, um, yes, the first team is moving to a new office. Um, we are going to be at a location to be announced later, I guess. No, we'll be on Carter Street. <laughs> oh, cool. So, um, we are moving over there. Uh, Same got, street as the uh, as Finley. Yeah, so we're pretty close, which you know obviously aligns up with some things. But it's you know as we've grown and as the club has taken this step, you know space uh, in any business it becomes a, a premium, right? It's mm. difficult. It's going to create some challenges because the communication between the academy and the foundation, the first team, is strong. But we're going to have to work to make it, you know, continue to be that strong and even stronger, to be honest. Sure. Because we're going to be in different spots. But like I said the other day to our staff, there are companies that have offices throughout the world that have good communication skills through technology and making sure everybody knows. So uh, we love our partners with the foundation, the academy, but we've just outgrown the space and. Um, we need some different elements over there in terms of office space to get things done. Um, and But we're going to continue to stay connected because we are one big family and we all are working together towards this mission. But we'll be moving over there here within the next week. Uh, we did some stuff this week, got a few things get taken care of this weekend. Um, but we're excited. So Very cool. So 
Maybe the, we'll have a housewarming where we can come over. Hey. And that would be really awesome. I, I for sure will show up. So the the um, the foundation will stay at the old office, and I know that OGA is a separate thing in the Eddie building now. Yep. Um, well, that's awesome because I have experience of working in that. Um, the one, the old office, and I know how cramped it can be. <laughs> well, it was an, it was an open office uh, working space with what was at one point two employees and yep. some volunteers, and now you have what is it six full time employees plus all of the foundation employees plus yep. you know volunteers, and I would imagine it's an absolute madhouse. It's a madhouse, uh, you know, which just forces you to be better at your job and you know to stay on top of things, but. Walking outside, you know, today was myself, crew, and Jordan. We're on the parking lot, pacing up and down, making phone calls because you can't close your door to make a phone call sure. you know, in your office. So here's a foundation person. Here's Jordan working on contracts. Here's myself. I think I was actually talking to Peter or Tim at the time, and we're all out there. So it's just um, it's growing pains as a club. And yeah. but you know we're gonna continue to stay connected, and uh, we'll definitely be hanging out there too, just for the smells of bourbon stack. That, <laughs> that <laughs> nothing else. That boardroom and that makeshift table in there that yep. will that will be a historic place forever yep, for sure. <laughs> Put a plaque on the door. <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> oh gosh. So, uh, if you could, if you could take three things that think that you think are going to be like the big, the big themes for this season, uh, and and I'll, I'll I'll let you say season could be year. Season could be just for this kind of spring period. Obviously, Nisa, uh, you know, has is working on a schedule for the spring. Uh, still, they still claim at least th- through like leaks that we've seen so far on on the internet. That Speaking of that, when are we like, getting a schedule? This like fall spring schedule. Like every later lower on. level soccer <laughs> soccer club podcast question starts with when are we getting the schedule yeah, that's, that's how you know it's games yeah, that's think, how you know it's january listen, i made it i made it almost 36 minutes i think I'm, roughly I'm, I'm proud of you i, well held, him, I held my i held it in yeah yep so, so, that, so that answer is not so today. anyways when are we getting a schedule yeah. <laughs> you so, can answer that one first yeah so uh the schedule piece sooner than later i can tell you that we have seen a a mock draft which is common in every league across the world uh you get to see a mock draft and everybody gets to poke holes and say hey you know can we move this game can we shift this and um you know so that's the process that we're in now we're beginning those stages but i would say we will have something here much sooner than uh, than later great cool yep. and are we looking at mostly saturday games for the spring yes it'll be primarily saturday you know as we get into some of the you know think about us when we have to go to california you know, we're looking at uh, playing a Wednesday and a Saturday opportunity. And when some of those teams have to come out east to play, perhaps they look at a Wednesday and a Saturday. Um, Cut down on travel costs. Yep, yeah, for, you know, could be cutting down on travel costs and wear and tear on, on bodies and such. Right. But the majority of our home games right now for the spring slash summer are uh, slated for Saturday. Could be an odd, you know, weekday game in there or a Sunday, but, you know, that's uh, definitely a Saturday heavy schedule. That's pretty normal. For, you, for professional professional clubs, and yeah, uh, sure. I'm assuming we'll see some friendlies there, maybe some uh, some fun stuff in the during the. You must have been asleep when I said I was working on domestic and international friendlies. I, for, no, I, d- I did. I'm trying to see if you yeah, give me a little more information. He's, he's he's fishing. <laughs> yeah, he's fishing. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, Am I catching anything? Is the question. Yeah, uh, <laughs> friendlies come down to whether it's um, us trying to uh, you know keep a rivalry with uh, Asheville City coming you know to play, or us trying to get club x y and z that's 
also been in the NPSL in the past. That's still in the NPSL that we'd like to play. Okay, Little Rock, I'm going to tell you. Ooh, we're trying to get a home and nice. home with them. That awesome. would be amazing. Yeah. So domestic and international friendly scheduling comes down to completely availability. You know, um, everybody would like to get games, would like to play. We'd like to host international friendly. That makes sense for the club and the community. It comes down to, you know, does it match up with when we're available, when they're going to be in the yeah. States? And does yeah. those other clubs that I just talked about, do their schedules match up with us? Um, but we will absolutely um, be, you know, continue to work on that, and, and hopefully have some announcements here soon. Sched- we scheduling nuggets here on the one hundred and nine. Yeah. If uh, if I could if I could lobby for a second uh, before I, my, I go back to my actual it's like day you've job, lobbied before before yeah. my day job next week. <laughs> we should uh, strongly consider a home and home with the Halifax Wanderers. Ooh, who are the Halifax Wanderers, man? So what? You sneak uh, them into every podcast. The Canadian Premier League <laughs> every team in Nova podcast. Scotia. And for the record, uh, the CPL will only have seven teams next year, so there will did, likely be some... Did they lose a team, or is there always seven? Always seven oh. for the first two years. So there should be some dates where they come up uh, free on a weekend. I do see one problem, though, with playing them. Like we might, you're gonna have to really differentiate. You might have a special jersey that day because our jerseys are the same. Okay. Yeah, there there is that problem. <laughs> I think when Matt picked a uh, picked a team, he looked at one and was like, "Hmm, who has the same colors and the same sponsor?" And yeah, I, I liked them when they were a concept. I'm sure you did. So let's let's get some facts out here right now. But yeah, what is the ch- what is the chances you could we could have a Canadian Premier League? Like, is that a something that we would look at, think about? Yeah, I mean everything's on the table right now, just because of the the situation that you know this club is, you know, in in terms of we're important, you know, and people want to play us. It's a, it's amazing, and, and like we're that. we're a market that you know um, there's a there's an attraction to because of just what Chattanooga is turning into in terms of you know soccer and community and the growth that's happening. Uh, we're you know we're on the table, and there's definitely. Uh, opportunity so i would not rule out and you know anything is possible what's the craziest phone call you've got so far because i assume so you've got a lot of contacts you've been around the game a long time some people have to have reached back out to you now that you're here what's the weirdest phone call you've got so far you can classify that however you want and and, uh phone calls from matt don't count yeah definitely (laughs) don't answer those send those to voicemail Uh, honestly nothing yet and i think that's uh Solely because, and I'm going to think about that as we continue to chat here, but nothing really because I think, you know, it wasn't, know, it wasn't a shock that that I ended up here because I think mm. people were like, well, "That's a good club, and you seem to be a decent person and somewhat good <laughs> in the soccer world. Go to that club." I mean, so it's not nobody's kind of has reached back out um, that I would say is awkward. I mean, it's uh, one uh, one former player did text me saying. Hey man, sign me. I was I was wondering and if I, were, and that's I said, amazing. And I said, was his name Richard Dixon? No, it wasn't <laughs> Richard Dixon. <laughs> because mission accomplished. <laughs> and I said, uh, I said, man, I don't know if it's gonna work. You have you know high taste uh, when it comes to the the dollars that you need or something. You know, just being funny about that or you know sure. making a joke. And uh, he's like, come on, you got all those fans. You guys got all kinds of money. And I'm like, oh, I know he's talking about us because we do have all kinds of fans, but. That was probably it. That was a text exchange, but you know, nothing, nothing weird. Just because it's just uh, in. I, I haven't been offered um, Ronaldo yet. We got offered Ronaldo once through a WhatsApp in, in St. Louis, and, was, <laughs> and the reason they said that we should sign him, and this was like, this is the big Brazilian is, Ronaldo. I was say, isn't he now like like forty five or something? Yeah, 
And we should sign him because he was going to sell a lot of jerseys. And some agent randomly got a hold of my WhatsApp number, and I got this text, and I just quickly sent that to everybody I knew as a joke. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. So nothing like that. It's just you know people reaching out saying congrats and excited to see you know the next step here well, for the club. First of all, club goals now got some new club goals. We need to get offered. Uh, who's the next overweight? Out of touch star, we can uh, Maradona. Be wow, <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say Phil Jones, but <laughs> we don't need anybody making ugly faces here. Wayne Rooney's already played in the U.S., so that doesn't. Hey. Oh, but I don't even think Phil Jones would would make sense as a signing for CFC. I mean, the even if he, his wages were covered, like the international spot. On, on him would not be worth it. On an English central defender, yeah, it's tough. Also, um, <laughs> he had his legs broken by Kevin De Bruyne this weekend. <laughs> I don't think he has any more legs. When you say <laughs> legs broken, his soul literally left his body. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> hey, floated the out. The only thing that could have been better, I mean, I guess that David, David De Gea saved that, right? Like, he didn't actually score. It, it came off somebody and they scored. And they, yeah, he Herrera, saved it, it was then, a Herrera own this, goal, yeah. I think Pereira. Pereira. Per- Pereira, sorry. Yeah. No, I they eventually Herrera. scored, but like, I think David De Gea actually made the save off oh, of he did. Which was not a, not well enough. You you texted me that gif, I think, and I oh I God. laughed a lot. So good. Uh, what do you think? Uh, and and Phil Jones's defending doesn't count. What do you think the biggest challenge facing <laughs> lower league soccer is? Uh, biggest challenge for it's a really big question. Uh, getting the schedules out for supporters to be happy. That's a pretty big one. I'm here for the pandering. Go ahead. Yeah, that's. Um, the biggest challenge is, is to allow all areas of the game to keep up with this rapid growth. Yeah. And I want to talk about referees here for a minute and that's not, totally a, fine here. not, not a slam and, and not a bad thing, but, and I will give credit to, uh, you know, when you guys, when the Chad Hooligans and when, uh, Galen Breezy came to the Academy board meeting and talked about the things they're doing in terms of, um, the scholarship for coaches and, looking at how can we do some referee scholarship yeah. opportunities for people that want to, but can all of the other areas of the game, because everybody thinks about players, everybody thinks about, honestly, supporters, and everybody thinks about coaches when it comes to the game continuing to grow and grow, but we have to continue to be able to keep up with referees yeah. because there's just, at the youth level, there's obviously a huge shortage, but referees that are quality enough to, to work the professional game, the professional standards, um, that's important because if you ref a college game, it's a different game. You know, second half you can sub in and out. The game is, you know, it's faster, it's different, and then you go do a pro game. So, and then from an administration standpoint, uh, operations, all of this growth for lower level soccer is is awesome. It's unbelievable, but we have to continue to make sure the other uh, elements of the game uh, continue to grow as well to support it. So we have to have a, a an overall quality alignment. Yes, and I think refereeing is a giant portion of that. I mean, I think everybody here can agree with that. I mean, we've had some absolute woes in the past that I mean, honestly, make me pull my hair out thinking about it. But it's just clear cut and obvious things when it comes to refereeing where people just simply aren't trained in the correct mindset. You know? Yeah, I, I think it's. I, I we can go a little bit deeper than that. Yeah, you know, we like we have refereeing problems. Obviously, we have a shortage of referees at the youth level. But we have refereeing problems at youth tournaments where, you know, refs are sometimes 13 years old refing a U9 game. Mm-hmm. And those parents are not 13 years old. Those parents are, are you know, two and three times, I guess, three times older usually. 
and 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 they treat those those refs the same as they would refs at a pro game. A professional ref, yeah, yeah. Right, and sure. and I mean, how many refs are we driving away uh, through through overbearing, obnoxious? Or parents? how many? Or how many refs are we not finding? Because when a player gets done, and look, give some credit to the uh, the federation in terms of the coaching thing. We talk about Richard Dixon going and getting yeah. the C license. Mm. And that's stuff, fantastic. Right? So, why are we not offering that for former players to go into refereeing? And it doesn't yeah. have, and it doesn't have to be a former pro. It could be college kids. It could be, you know, uh, club and academy high school kids. Why are we not offering some of those things to get them involved in that part of the game? Oh yeah. Cause I can tell you as a former player, it was, Hey, go work this camp, go work this clinic nice. to, you know, to make that again. That was not me <laughs> to make some, um, that was me this time yeah, to make some money and to stay involved in the game, help coach kids, help coach kids. I was never given the message of, Hey, go ref a game so kids can have a ref. And then yeah. if you look at the other thing is how do we continue to grow the level? If you look at hockey throughout Canada and many parts of, of America, there are refereeing schools where guys will go for intense training for six, eight, ten weeks and then go work their way up through um, you know, minor league. Uh, QMJHL to AHL yes. to NHL. USHL. All from juniors, yeah. 100%. And in soccer, it's... Hey, go ref this youth tournament. Get yelled at by parents that don't understand the laws of the game. Yeah, and you know, make a few bucks tax free. And then, if you really want to pursue it, go do a high school game, and maybe you'll work it. But there's no plan, so and, we, we have to fix that. And you can make so much more money refereeing high school football, for example. Like if you're going to ref at a high, like if you're going to ref for the love of the game, that's one thing. But if you're going to referee at any sort of a level, high school, college, whatever, you make so much less money refereeing. Soccer games. Yeah. And again, this is not a slight on the guys that are doing it. It's a slight on how are we getting quality people that understand and have played the game and are passionate about it. How are we getting them involved in different ways? And that's on all of us to figure that out. Yeah. I've I've said for and I agree with that. I've said for a while, like a lot of things lag and refereeing might be the thing that lags the most. In, in American soccer. Yes. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Yeah. So there's just there's just challenge. fundamentals that are lacked when especially when it comes from like controlling a game. A lot of referees that I've watched, not just for CFC games, but at other professional games, let the game get out of hand because they don't know how to control it. Yeah. Or or I mean, on the flip side, like we we play we play rec. There are occasions that referees get emotional because you try to give them feedback on something you. Th I mean, even if you're being calm, you're I know trying. exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> and there, are, I mean, and there's times that you know we're out of line, right? You know, you're sure. you, you should be you should be getting a yellow card. You should be getting a talking to. But yeah. there are plenty of times where you're trying to give legitimate feedback. Like, hey, ref, that guy's not you know as the team captain, for example. When when we play, like I get to talk, I theoretically get to talk to the referee. Um, and sometimes they get, you know, upset, uh, about like, Hey, like ref, I really don't feel like that guy's playing with his, you know, really playing with his, uh, his feet. He's like pushing people. Could you, you know, please watch out for that. He's not talking about me. I'm, I'm, I would well, never, I he would, would never, never play defense. Hands. He would never play defense. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's, my point is that it's at all perva pervasive at all levels of the game. And I hope, I hope we figure it out. I don't, I don't have the exact answer, but. I think one of the frustrating things about being in the MPSL uh, for all those years is that in terms of the refereeing, we would, we would sometimes the refereeing was usually not great. Occasionally we would get a good referee and then everyone would notice they were a good referee. And you spot they would the difference right away. Immediately be moved up the, up the food chain yeah. real fast. Let me, let me help you out. CFC's right. never had a good referee. We've won a few games, so we've had good referees. Okay. Get it, producer Jay. Um, 
my job is not to like we, the referees. We've, we've also, yeah, that's fair. We've also actually had some really bad referees. And I, and I think like there, like there is some progress in terms of individuals. You can say we, that again. Because we've had some really, really bad referees who then a season later, you know, and, and this might be my opinion, but uh, we had we had a referee a couple times in 2017. Awful. Terrible. I mean, like literally some of the worst soccer. We, we Are you talking about ref. one of the top referees in Tennessee now? Yes. I don't want and to say then, his name. And then and then in 2018, I think he refs only one game of ours. And it was probably the best ref game we had. And and like and you in could 20, tell. And in 2019 as well. He ref can, one. Didn't he ref one in 2019? I don't, I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, but like you could tell that like he had gotten so much better. Uh, and, and had been picked for some some bigger, higher games. He was the fourth official in the Tottenham Man City ICC game. And, uh, As a guy who was refing, like, who ref probably like five games for us over actually, a two-year I actually thought he was the center ref in that game. I think he was the fourth ref. I, think I, he don't, was the I don't remember. Official. But anyway, like, he had moved up the food chain real fast and, and did uh, a bunch of USL championship games, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in MLS in the next couple of years. And my hope is that... There we get a you know I think a few more of those guys being in the professional league now we're not going to ever get like the top referee in the state if an MLS game is going on right but can we get a few a one tier one rung higher when we're playing in a professional league now instead of right. in the MPSL and we should for sure yep that'd be that'd be great we'll be we'll be looking for that uh, starting in March maybe maybe March. maybe March early March. March okay not late February. Nope. Okay. <laughs> okay. February right. 29th excluded. 6th to the 13th of March is off limits because I'll be in St. Lucia. So Whoa. don't schedule anything. Humble, humble bag, bro. <laughs> you literally just took out the first two weeks It's for sure. It's I for know. sure one of those two weeks. I don't want to miss it. <laughs> well, but I will stream from St. Lucia if I have to. Good man. So let's let's move on a little bit. Um, we the last so the last question we, we asked, which might have been an hour ago, <laughs> was the biggest challenge facing uh, lower facing league lower league soccer in the United States. So where does where does you, where do you think CFC's place in American soccer is? That can be kind of philosophically. Uh, obviously, we don't have promotion and relegation, so we can't really talk about our place in the pyramid per se. Um, I'll kind of leave it open ended. And let you kind of just run with it. Yeah, that's fair. I think our place in in American soccer is there are a ton of eyes on this club, and sometimes when you're knee deep in it, like you guys are, and the people that are listening to this are are in it, you know, you kind of forget that. But there are a lot of people. I mean, since I've been here, so go back to the strangest phone call, right, or whatever uh, we asked earlier. It's people are asking, hey, what do you know more about this uh, supporter ownership? you know, mentality and how things were built and, you know, how did this come about and how are you guys figuring out how to take this next step? So there's a lot of people looking here at, is this something that can be, can be replicated? No, right? definitely not. Can't be replicated, but yeah. is this something that you can, as any good coach, I believe you steal things from this coach. I steal, you know, when I was coaching, I stole things from uh, my roommate who is a American football coach, you know, when I was in college or in uh, grad school and, I stole things from him and I stole things from the basketball coach and I go watch them train uh, and things that way. And so I think there's other clubs out there that are going to steal some things from CFC in terms of how this has been built and how this has grown as the community of Chattanooga has grown. And they're, they're going to use this to take their next step in this soccer path. Um, and I think there's some that's a big thing that's, uh, that's where we fit is there's a lot of eyes on us to see 
Um, how are we going to continue to progress and how are we going to, you know, and then not just progress because there's teams or clubs or whatever you want to call them that make jumps up all the time. Right. Mm. So here we are, but we're truly one of the few that has gone from a long established history of a strong amateur club to the professional ranks. There hasn't yeah. been, there hasn't been very many of those here recently that have truly, truly had a past mm. and then taken that next step. So how are we going to handle that as uh, supporters and fans, partners, front office, technical staff? What are we going to learn as we do this? And that's going to, there's going to be, because we're not the last club that's going to take this step. I can tell you, I'm not dropping any secrets or anything there, <laughs> yeah. but there are other clubs out there that are looking at us saying, okay, if Chattanooga FC can take this next step, so can we, we're, we're going to have to do a little bit differently than them we're going to attack this opportunity of becoming a professional club and they're going to take some things from us and some things that they do well and they're going to take that but there's gonna be a lot of people trying to, to see how we've done it and what can they learn from so i think that's that's the biggest thing that's uh, that's facing us literally in the pyramid let's say we did have a pyramid it wasn't just a flat line or whatever we want to call the thing that we have now uh and let's say there were there was promotion and relegation cfc uh small city whatever where do you think we end up and where do you think the ceiling would have been or would be? Well, to be con- completely, you should uh, be, you should be honest. honest Although I'll take, I'll take, I'll take flattery and, and controversy. I, and tinfoil Ted's going to probably come at, you know, he's going to tag he's, you guys. He's, and, he's muted on Twitter. I don't he's, he's, okay. Yeah, he's, bl- he's blocked on mine. He's the only person I blocked. I don't know that that's, that that's never going to not happen. I still think, if you look at what is the one sporting event that America loves more than maybe any other sporting event, what do you think? I'm going to ask you. The Super Bowl. NCAA tournament. NCAA tournament. Because that little school from the Sunbelt Conference or that little school from the mm. Big West Conference gets a chance to knock off Duke. And everybody takes off work on that Thursday takes off work on that Friday. <laughs> yeah. Everybody fills out a bracket. They love it, right? If I was the president, the Thursday and Friday of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament would be national, national holidays. holidays. It's the biggest weekend. It's one of the biggest weekends in Vegas in terms of sports betting, which is a whole nother topic we can get into later. Um, <laughs> but um, Bookmark. <laughs> yeah. But so I think Americans love that concept. It's just soccer has taken so long to get it right or to get it stable that we haven't been able to do it, quote unquote, that way. But look, we all could be you know, buried and gone when it happens, but sure. I do think at some point it's going to happen. So that's my little soapbox there to go back. I, I mean, I, I hope you're right. I, I do too. And look, we may not see it and it may be a bastardized version of it. And I know people don't like that, but something could be better than nothing. If it was truly open at maybe a variety of levels and maybe not a certain level, I don't know, but I just don't think it's dead and gone. I just really don't. Um, we may be dead and gone when it happens. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but CFC won't be. Yeah, exactly. Because that's you know, as as they say, it's going to be around here for the next hundred. In terms of look, an ambitious group of uh, supporters, an ambitious city, and an ambitious club. There's no telling where we could have gotten to in the in the quote unquote pyramid because there's just there's stories all over the world, right? That. That's why certain people wake up and support clubs on in the morning because on a Saturday morning, or they go to work because they just they think they have an opportunity. Um, you know, so it's uh, I don't think there's anything that would have held this club back. Matt, where do you think we would be? Quick poll around the room. 
if you're if, if you said that we had promotion and relegation right now, yeah, but and we've just, had just, it for a couple of years. Yeah, just snap your fingers, and it always was. I'd say, and we, and we are what we are. The club is exactly what it is. Don't change anything else. Just that there is a pyramid that you can a, go up and down. Let's see, that's a different perennial, question I, perennially yeah. second division fighting we'll come for back promotion, to <laughs> but unable to get promotion. Okay, I would second that. Yeah, I would say mid table second, second tier. Oh, we got a consensus here. So I think we get a cup. Co- I think we get a cup of coffee in the uh, first division every now and then. Or we would we would have gotten a cup of coffee in the first division. I would agree, but with I think you, we would be we, solidly mid table in the second division. I would agree with you had we not gotten zero and four in national championship games. Yeah, the Buffalo Bills of the MPSL. <laughs> <laughs> Until we won one of those suckers, I'm going to say fighting for promotion, but never getting it. I do think our cup runs would have been amazing though and we would have been the david to goliath we would have definitely things. made some fun, some fun cup runs yeah and to, and to twist and hopefully we will again, again this year yes, yeah. sir here we, here we go at least we get the start in the second round this time well and to twist hey. to twist that question just a little bit more um as we've further developed it it was a little <laughs> a lot more it's a little more clear in my brain um if since we do have a closed pyramid and obviously the usl business model doesn't work for cfc as it is currently constituted but i think the second division also fits in a closed model if the business model was different. It's not the, it, our city perfor- outperforms uh, other cities of a lot larger size as far as per capita attendance and, and fan, you know, the actual actual attendance and fans. Um, it's just the market si- arbitrary market size is a problem. And then of course the business model thing is a whole different conversation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So let's, uh, so we, we've got, I've Two questions that are, are kind of they're, they're they're kind of tied together uh, about about hurdles that uh, we're going to have to overcome this next year, next few years, uh, but also advantages that we have going into the next two three years or so. Uh, what do you think that maybe the two biggest of hurdles and advantages are? Two biggest hurdles are is we have operated as a club for the last ten years as primarily uh, a summer-focused amateur club. Yeah. And now we have to make this jump into a 12-month entity that, yeah. you know, is is going for 12 months, and we need our fans and supporters to be with us. And not that they haven't been, but to be with us for those, you know, games that aren't in May, June, and July. And we need them to be at all the games and continue yeah. to stay with us during the off season when there's not a lot going on, but we're trying to – throw out content and, and stay relevant. So we need to make sure that um, that's the biggest hurdle is to expand people's thinking of soccer, which I, at the end, I don't think it's going to be that big of a hurdle because we are, you know, truly, you know, soccer fans and supporters. So I think that's the first one. Uh, the other one is just um, the uncertainty of, of lower level soccer. And I don't care what letters your league has. There's always uncertainty. We've seen it in the last three months, right? There's been all yeah. kinds of things, whether it's in, uh, NISA or USL, or I mean, there's just uncertainty, and that's um, something that we're going to have to overcome as a soccer club that's um, not in MLS in the U.S. We're going to have to make sure that we, you know, walk our way through it and have conversations about it and be open and be honest. Um, but I think that's that's the same for you know uh, any club in, in any lower you know league in the U.S. Yeah, and, and, and especially professional league because it's is difficult. Biggest advantages. Our history and our our fan and supporter base, hundred percent. Guys want to come here because they know people. I told you the text, right? And the yep. guy that's like, "Look, you got fans, man. I know you, you got, got money. You got fans. You got me." <laughs> and then like, 
um, their, their support. So that's huge because you know people want to to play, and they want to play where it's important. And soccer is important uh, within CFC, and guys know that they don't want to go play in empty stadiums. They don't want to go play on a baseball diamond that gets converted. <laughs> they want to play where soccer is the lifeblood, and that's what I think it is here with Chattanooga FC. Um, then our staff, Peter and Bill and, and Jordan and, and guys that are involved there, they know the game. They know players. They treat them well. They've all been in those situations. I had an unbelievable conversation with Peter on Sunday night. Um, I think both him and I remember – 85% of the conversation, but um, that's a little, that was a little last uh, hurrah. But um, we have guys that have been there. They've struggled as players, and they've struggled in this game, whether that's as coaches, as administrators, as players, and they understand what these guys are going through to grind to their next step, whether it's Gabby who you know moves on to Hartford. another opportunity. Shout out, Gabby. Or, you know, it's somebody else that moves on to an opportunity overseas because we're going to have some unbelievable stories within the next three, four, five years that we're going to be able to talk about guys that started here or came here and have been able to take other steps. And we already have some of those stories, but we have a staff that understands how important it is to treat guys the right way um, because it is a grind to be a pro athlete, and especially at, you know, lower level soccer in America. One of the things we talked about in our last podcast where we covered the uh, kind of all decade team, but really just kind of all time CFC team. Um, is is a, a bunch of the stories about guys that had moved on, uh, and whether that was to uh, to Louisville like Matt and Al McCabe, whether that was to uh, like just back to college, and then years later he becomes a professional like Sean McFarlane mm. um, or OT Ba this year just or, re-signed yeah, with Miami. OT Ba re-signed with Miami FC. Uh, he'll be in the second division with them in, in USL Championship. Uh, you know he played here for. For a couple of years. Now, he was young, still in college. I mean, he played here and there. He barely played, though. Yeah. He was, uh, he was very young. Um, but, like, guys, I mean, we have we can almost, I think, field a, a starting 11 of guys that have gone on to play pro at oh, this point. As long as we get a little flexible positions, we can definitely yeah. field an 11. <laughs> yeah. Definitely field uh, an 11. But I think one of the things that I've tried to do, uh, especially with the, this pro, tr- pro transition these last few months, is, is maybe educate. Uh, is maybe the right word that if we're doing our jobs right as uh, as a club, as the collective club, we're not going to have guys play for us for ten years. Yeah, uh, they're going to be here, hopefully for hopefully for a couple years. Uh, it, you know, at least for one. But you know, in the future, crossing our fingers, we can get guys on multi-year deals. They can come here. They can play well. They can uh, be noticed. And, and be sold on for actual real life dollars. Yeah, yeah. Um, to, to, that can be reinvested into the club, uh, and and go play somewhere else and continue and progress in their careers, which will only uh, hopefully attract more players that are more talented that want to come here because they can see the they can see the the future of their career runs through Chattanooga. There are clubs throughout the world that make a living, and their spot in the you know soccer football ecosystem is to give guys opportunities, whether that's loan guys, guys that get overlooked, whatever it is, that that's what they do. And they try to win along the way, right? Yeah. And they try to earn promotion and sure. they try to go on a cup run, as you said. Um, and, and that's what they do. And, you know, those stories are unbelievable stories. And there's some big clubs that that's what they do as well. And, um, you know, I think we're going to have some unbelievable stories to tell. Yeah, I, I, think, would, yeah. I think you can look yeah. at the majority of clubs in Amsterdam and see that, that model. 
Yeah. Uh, especially, you know, Ajax is, is a, is, you know, they're grassroots young kids that grow up and they know that their ceiling isn't Ajax. It's Real Madrid or Barcelona or, you know, wherever. And just to, they understand that aspect. So I think if we can gain n- not exactly that mindset, but if we're, know, if we're doing version, if we, if we can become a club, um, that, that like sees Ajax as our, as like the kind of like model we want to be. Yeah. Then I mean, obviously we're not first division in, in our home country, right. but if that's the kind of club we can be, uh, treating, treating Europe as, you know, the broader United States, uh, higher levels. I think that's a, that's a worthy aspiration to, uh, to, to, to look after. And, and that, that club specifically also gains a lot of like really, uh, you know, it gains respect from those players that move through. I think maybe it was Hagland or somebody who recently played in the Champions League, won a game, looked up, saw that Ajax lost and was knocked out and was like physically like not excited about the win anymore. It was like, dang, that club was knocked out. That's the club that gave me my chance. It was my, you know, my. Was that DeLitt for, for you? DeLitt, not Hagland. Sorry. DeLitt. Yeah. And he saw that. And just, just to know that that, you know, he, he has that respect for that club. That because, connection. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because that's special, very so, special. So Plus, I, everyone's going to come to us for you know. Do you have someone like who's the next big thing? Yeah, and so yeah, like yeah, we have exactly. twenty three next big things. Like you know, what, what kind of money you willing to spend? To like, let's, make, let's make this work. So I feel like you kind of maybe did that a little bit in St. Louis. St. Louis had a spectacular academy um, connected with with the team and, and kind of a pipeline of talent. Um, do you see some parallels there? I, obviously, our academy is not near as well developed. Like it. The academy exists and CFC exists. And I know I, the, correct me if I'm wrong, but the pro team in St. Louis is built on top of the existing academy. So it's a bit of a different, um, it's not a chicken and egg, like the academy came first. Um, but I assume that St. Louis in a lot of ways was a selling club, um, moving, developing talent, bringing guys through the academy, pushing them on to next things. How did that look there? And do you see some, I guess, parallels with CFC? How does that, how do those interface? It has to be. Um, we have to be a club that can produce players that can function in a first team environment. And that doesn't mean they have to start on a Saturday, but at some point here in the near future, and we've had great conversations with, with Steve and the group there, and we know we have work to do, mm-hmm. uh, but we, we have to be a club that can yearly count on two or three guys to be good enough to train with us and perhaps get some minutes with us. Is that going to happen in 2020? No. Uh, it could happen in 21, perhaps, but we need to get to a spot where we know every year there's two, maybe three guys that are coming from our academy that can function in a first-team environment, and that oh. means come to training every day. Love that. And um, and and not drop the level, and maybe they're good enough to play, but maybe they're not quite there yet. Um, but that has to be that's a goal, and that's something that we're going to start working towards. And and they have been working towards. They they understand that. Um, that was our model in St. Louis. It was we knew. We relied on academy guys to be good enough to train with us, and we were lucky. We had a couple. We might have the number one uh, draft pick ever, Jack Mayer, or dra- draft pick in MLS tomorrow. Miami might take him as a number one. He oh, yeah. you know, was an academy kid for us, and that's wild. He, he played very few minutes for us. Um, you know, but his development, I'm sure, his was, development, yeah. And then there's another. Kid they're that, saying they're saying he's probably the most pro ready uh, center back in the in the pool. Yeah, where did you go to college? Uh, Indiana. Indiana. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Two years there. Yep. So. Um, so we have to get to that point here if we're going to be successful as a club. And I think we have the staff, and I think we have uh, the athletic talent. And I've been out to see a few younger sessions, and there are some players. And it's just a matter of we have to set that goal, and then we have to go go achieve it. And if that means 
we get one kid ready in 21, that's not a failure. You know, that just means we, we missed our mark a little bit, but we get one guy that can be there. So we have to work our way through it. Um, it has to be uh, part of what we're about as a club. Yeah, we did. I, I did notice, uh, and, and a couple of us were at open tryouts on Saturday, and there were some academy kids uh, out there trying out. There were some older folks as well. But uh, Speaking of older folks, how did your tryout go, Matt? You know what? I did what I always do when it comes to soccer. You got really tired and sweaty and gross? It doesn't matter who I play against, what level I play against. Oh, here we go. I will always get one goal. Did you drink whiskey like you did at the last one? No, he refused. <laughs> so you tried to get I, 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 beautiful. I, I, I allegedly had a coffee cup with uh, allegedly some, with, that may have ha- had a bit of extra things besides caffeine in it. Beautiful. And uh, I, I, I yelled at him and like as he was celebrating, and he was like, "No, uh, listen, I was. I, I, I have was, to keep playing." It was the middle, so. Last year's tryout where I scored, I like immediately pulled my hamstring. I immediately got some ice. The tryout was over. I then uh, consumed beverages, uh, allegedly. Uh, this year, I scored fairly early on into an 11-11 on, uh, session. Did uh, you really 11, think you were going to get another one? Is that what happened? I mean, I was, I was trying to. <laughs> but like, but there, was, there was plenty of time left. I didn't injure myself this time. Like, you know, I, I needed to continue to try to make a good impression for the coaching staff. Uh <sighs> And try to lead my team, lead my team to the to the victory in our little fifteen minute, 10 Did minute you guys session, win? whatever it was. Yeah, one zero. It was my goal. My goal. But you were saying about a, I'm a goal scorer. You were saying about tryouts, and I'm guessing you were going with young. There were a lot of young yeah, kids there, at tryouts. There were there were a lot of so we didn't you know at, at some previous open tryouts we've had a bunch of kind of college age guys mm-hmm. uh, that are just trying to get just trying to get a look. And this year there were a lot of. Uh, Older guys like me, uh, like were more likely seniors in college that were just trying to get a look. Uh, but then there were a ton of a ton of like eighteen year olds. I saw a lot of baby faces. Yeah, and and I think you know guys that come out of the academy or, or played locally a little bit that you know just kind of wanted to just shoot their shot, see what Test happens, it out, and, see what it's about. And, yeah. and and for some of those, like there were some actually really good, I think really good eighteen year olds there that are are not going to be. I don't think like pro. You know, 2020 CFC Pro material, but they're guys that in you know three four years, you know it's worth it's worth keeping in contact with them, seeing what they're doing, uh, you know keeping keeping them connected to the club because they might some of those guys might might feature for us one day. Yeah, I hate the word homegrown. I think it's not a real <laughs> word, but we're gonna have one of those guys here soon. Yeah, for sure. Now, could we bring in guys? college guys during the summer that could train with i'm mean, probably not play to keep their eligibility but could train with the yep. first team all summer 100 yep. percent. and that's part of the process is you bring guys in um to see how they uh, perform on a professional level how, sure. do they, how do they act off the field how do they um you know get along with our guys how do they play uh and then so that leads into other opportunities would they be able to the play next in, year would they be able to play in friendlies no okay no so that's still the but if you're gonna the line, depending on how you run a roster, especially if you got some injuries, if you're running a 22 or 23 man roster and you've got a couple injuries and you need to fill out fill out the rest of that uh, that practice squad, you could have some college guys living here, you know, playing here potentially. But as long as they're not playing and dressing on game day, correct. And what happens is a lot of guys go on a circuit, so they'll come here for a week, they'll go to Club X, you know, up in Nashville for a week, they'll go over to Louisville City for a week. And then they'll go up to Columbus Crew for a week, and they'll kind of see what's going on, um, and see how they do in, in adapt. Mm. So that's become 
You know, there's a lot of guys that do that for this. Jack did that. Jack Mayer did that last summer. He was in Miami. He was in Nashville. He was with St. Louis for two or three weeks, um, just getting experience, getting opportunities to to train and play, and you know, see where he kind of fits and what his opportunities are. So that's becoming more and more common. And we'll have guys that are gonna want to do that. We've already had guys reach out. I've had former players and Bill and Peter. Hey, you know, hey, I want to send you this guy to take a look at for four or five days this summer. Hundred percent. Bring him down. We'll see what he has, um, you know, because depending on where he is, we could sign him, you know, for the next uh, NISA season or in 21, depending on, on where he's at with eligibility and yeah, everything okay. that way. That's interesting. Very cool. Uh, let's let's kind of take a, a step back from from those kind of uh, those kind of topics. This is kind of more of a pet peeve issue. What is something that you wish that supporters or fans understood? Maybe just in general, maybe understood better. Maybe really, really specific. Could be something that frustrates you about about like our side of things. Like how we always want to know details about things 17 million hours before we end up knowing them. Like a schedule? Very specific and correct number there. (laughs) (laughs) Like when's our schedule going to come out? Whenever our roster routes is coming out. (laughs) Man, that's uh, these, you. Get, you guys are killing it with the questions. These are these are good. We're trained professionals. Yeah, obviously. that's not at obviously all true. By the, obviously, by the beverages that you brought, you did your <laughs> you did your research. Um, I would say probably the biggest thing is that the urgency that you know fans and supporters want to know things. We want to know things just as much. And I think sometimes you think that we know something and we're just waiting to be a pain in the ass and not tell you, but we don't, we don't have the information yet. You know what I mean? Are you sure though? <laughs> yeah. Give it to us. Like we don't have anything. I don't care. I need something. So, so for our fans, they should, they should take, like, I don't have going. a schedule in my phone that I'm just waiting for you guys to be miserable. <laughs> I know you want it. You know, the next round of, of player signings, I, we can't do it or we would have done it today. It's just like, I mean, those are the things And you know, so that's, that's a small thing, but look, I would, huh. I would rather deal with that than people that don't care or playing in a stadium with, you know, 50 people. So for, for CFC fans, you know, we're working on stuff. They'll know as soon as we can possibly announce things. Yeah. If you're a fan of Atlanta SC, you'll just have to find out that your team's not playing in the spring <laughs> <laughs> through some other means. Matt has been beating this drum for weeks. <laughs> also, they're totally not playing. They're not playing in the spring. They're going to play in UPSL in the spring. Yeah, that, that oh, well, pre- that's that's the U23 brand. I mean, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I think that's because the first team's going completely dormant. Yeah. Yeah, until they can figure out their lives, slash maybe back in the NPSL, slash who knows. Quote unquote U23. Yeah. Listen, I'm I'm speaking of U23 and completely off topic. The Miami United U23 team uh, made the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, they'll be starting in the first round through the Open qualification from the fall. That's cool. Their uh, NPSL team also qualified for the U.S. Open Cup. Wait, what? Their NPSL team is foregoing the U.S. Open Cup because their U23 team made the U.S. Open Cup. And considering they have like a 40-year-old guy who was the former captain of the Venezuelan national team, as one of their center backs. U23. He's cup tied and can't play for the NPSL side. Oh. So, so many of those guys are going to continue because they're all cup tied mm, with the U23 right, side. Right, right, The U23 doesn't mean anything. So the NPSL team is going to play as the, U, as the U23 team. Or 
no, no, no. It, the first team's going to play is the U23 the, the team? First, the, the, the MPSL team is not going to play in the tournament. Right. The U23 team that was entered in the, in no, no, I, through the... Yeah, but yes. But the same it's, players... It's, it's the, same, that, it's the yeah. same team. It's the same team. Anyway, fun fact. Yeah. That's not actually not that. So you're surprising. saying at almost 30, I have a chance to play on a U23 team? Honestly, that's super NPSL. That's that is so NPSL. <laughs> we weren't going to have a that's so NPSL segment, but there here it we is. Are. There it is. <laughs> Brought to you by <laughs> Miami. Uh, Bush League Bush Miami. Beer. <laughs> Bush, Bush Beer Miami. Bush Beer. Yeah, <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh. All right. So coming back to, uh, I guess, one more uh, question from us. Where do you see Chattanooga FC in five years? You can you can dream, you can be realistic, you can go somewhere in between. We'll leave that open. We've had a couple of deep open cup runs. We have established the club at the professional level the same way we have established it uh, at the amateur level. Um, we've grown our support across the world because of the unique supporter ownership group. Uh, setup that we have and i think you know those people have continued to build and and spread what this club is about and i think we have made a bigger impact in the community than clubs that are quote-unquote in higher levels than us throughout the u.s i mean look mls works they do great stuff i've been at the all-star game i see what they do when they come in the community that's nothing against them but i think our ability to truly be a part of a community um, we've done some really unique things uh, to make people's lives better in Chattanooga, I think. So deep run, establish ourselves at the pro level with competitiveness and success like we did at the amateur, and we've done some things in the in the community that are, are eye-opening. Beautiful. Cool. Okay. Let's have, let's have kind of one more topic section uh, that can be kind of condensed uh, into, into just like the general... Uh, news that's that's coming up um what can you tell us about about the preseason uh i mean obviously we haven't announced any games we don't really know what's going on kind of yet do you have uh, any secrets to share so any leaks here you go can we play secret time <laughs> no is, one's listening this, yeah. <laughs> yeah nobody's made it this far we're done besides my mom we have like we have like four <laughs> listeners and, it's, and one of our moms doesn't listen so it's fine it's my mom I don't think my mom knows this happens. Better, better for her. <laughs> uh, this section of leaks presented by... Um, no. There will be a preseason. It will occur before the regular season. Um, okay. Wow. okay. Wow. Thank you. I see how this yeah. is going to go. Yeah. <laughs> no. Is, is um, that like the, the spring regular season or like the, the fall don't, regular don't question, season? Don't complicate Good things. question. <laughs> well, actually... So many of us are still confused. No. Um... <laughs> Preseason wise, uh, so we have the invite trials. We haven't mentioned that this weekend. Yes, and that's a that's a big opportunity. We got some guys coming in that we identified from uh, last weekend. We got some guys that are you know free agent coming uh, coming from other pro you know opportunities that they've had in the past that are looking for clubs. Probably some college players. We got some college players that are looking for that next step. Um, Peter and again and Bill and Jordan have worked very hard to put together a really professional weekend. Um, where we can identify talent, but also these guys can see what Chattanooga is about. Yeah, you know, Ooh. and they're going to get a, yeah. an opportunity to interact with fans and supporters. They're going to get a chance to train and see that we're different than other opportunities that they uh, perhaps have. So that's side, side note. Yep, listeners, uh, come out on Saturday 
from 10 to, uh, we'll say noon for Ish. the, for the pancake breakfast. Uh, we'll feed you. We'll hang out. We'll, we'll show the players some support, uh, and, and give them a chance to meet us a little bit. And that is Saturday, January 11th. Yes. And I think that would be a really <laughs> good time. Don't show up. If you're, if you're, if you're catching <laughs> up, don't show up on July 4 <laughs> or whatever day. Uh, and, and, uh, that'll be, <laughs> it'll be at the UTC sports complex. Uh, which I think the actual address is something like 1101 Oak Street. I think, but I think Google's just, got it, but that was ne- impressive. Just, just, go, just Google uh, Ingle Stadium and yeah, it's next door. Just go to uh, to the field between, or the field on the other side of the parking lot next to Ingle Stadium uh, down there and and come out and support and it'll be real fun. Uh, there'll also be a uh, kind of a happy hour meet and greet at Janiger Brewing Company that Saturday night. I believe that starts at 7. Ooh. Yep. That also so sounds fun. Come out come out and get a beer. Which my plane lands at three. Good man. So I will be there. We'll see you there. You'll be at CBC at four. You'll be ahead of us. And then <laughs> we'll see you at I'll seven. I'll be asleep at seven. <laughs> um, I, have a, uh, <laughs> I have a company Christmas party. I'm going to have to skip the first half hour of apparently. I'll be all right. <sighs> You'll be fine. It's okay. That's, so uh, what else? Uh, what else can you tell so us about invite? So invite stuff this weekend's huge uh, part of any club at, at these uh, levels for sure. We we'll get the chance to see some guys. We're pretty excited. We've been able to put together a, a, a small preseason trip, and you know, a lot of clubs, you know, get an opportunity to go to to warmer weather. We're like a tour, <laughs> no, <not> a, tour. <laughs> a three hour tour. The boys on tour. Yeah, um, we're fortunate with the weather that you know, training in in February and, and March is not a, a big you know a big burden on us in mm. terms of you know for the most part we're able to get you know decent weather in February and March, but we will. It's important to get the guys away. Let them spend some time bonding, you know, sure. getting together, figuring out um, what guys, what makes them tick, and on the field, off the field. And when you're going to be together for a 10 month season, that's so important. So we're going to head down to a southern location. We're going to get a couple of games down there against uh, some professional clubs and uh, get an okay. opportunity to play. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Continue. And oh. then, oh. <laughs> just short of where I really wanted. Yep. And how, then, how far south? South. Um, can I can I drive well, there? You from gotta here? remember my geography. From I, all I know is Nashville's two hours that way, and Atlanta's two hours that way. That's all I can tell you. So I've, which which that way? Uh... Not towards Nashville. <laughs> so <laughs> warmer That's, weather. Okay. So I can't give you hours or anything that way. Um, okay. But, so it's and, and look, I'm I'm very proud of that for you know a lot of clubs that first you know professional year they don't put the investment into that type of opportunity. So for us to be able to tell the staff, hey, this is important. And we're going to figure out how we're going to make it work. So credit to those guys. So we're excited. We'll come back. We'll get some games. I imagine we'll have one or two uh, games here locally. You know, Finley's going through some uh, reconstruction of the new turf and all that. So we'll have to find a location to play Mm -hmm. if it's not done in time. But we'll have a couple of opportunities for fans and supporters to come out and see, um, you know, the team before we, quote unquote, start for real. So there'll be, you know, a couple of games here in market. Don't have exact dates. Uh, to throw out there yet goes back to the pet peeve thing right if yes. i had it if i had it guaranteed yeah. i would tell you tonight but we're working hard on that um you know we got like i already talked about player stuff coming up quick and scheduling so uh it's coming fast and it's coming furious so buckle in and, and and be ready for it when uh when roughly is that preseason trip we're talking uh middle of march yeah or sorry middle of february yeah middle okay. Of february. Yep. okay hey cool you guys down for a road trip 
You're, you're, you know what? Section 109 podcast from the <laughs> on road. On the road. <laughs> hey, you no, missed we've, out we've the last done time. That. Yeah, I we, did. We, did, we, did before. we took we took callers from the car. I was one of those callers, and I was supporting our uh, our friends in Mobile by buying merch while I was there on oh, yeah, the phone with true. you guys. That's true. That was fun. Yeah. So a lot to come, and you know, hopefully a few tidbits tonight get people. Settle down a little bit. That we are <laughs> no, no, no chance. Okay, good. no chance. Um, awesome. Us, yes. So, them, no. Okay. No, the uh, problem is no one. No one listens. No, no, no. That's also the problem. Uh, no one settles down. Uh, we uh, we just want more. You feed the, us, and we still want the problem more. with supporters. That's I mean, like okay. the biggest problem with supporters, I think, and like if I'm being real honest, is that we're we we think too much of ourselves, and we're way too invested. And so, you know, it's good because you get like free labor and like free full-time employees sometimes, but it's also bad because, you know, we're needy and we're not getting paid. So we're really needy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, as I told the, uh, as I told the, the, a group of owners at the summer summit for American soccer that they hosted here, like you can partner with fans and supporters and have like people that work like as your advocates and as your, you know, gospel spreaders and that really do put in full-time work. You just, you know, you got to partner with them. And so we really mm-hmm. appreciate you coming on here. Um, it means a lot to us. Big it means, time. and it means a lot to the community too. For those that listen, um, they get to hear, you know, and connect with who you are, and and there is something really intimate about a podcast, having somebody in your ears and letting you hear about their life, and and that's a really cool thing that doesn't happen. You know, you don't get an MLS or a, a you know the Liverpool um, marketing director, for example, the Paul Rustand of Liverpool doesn't do usually. I don't think a three hour podcast with some fans, uh, much less the you know the managing director. Um, so it's, yeah. it's really cool that we, we have a club and we have a, a, a situation where you guys come and hang out in, you know, the, the layer and, and, the the dungeon <laughs> down here and the lab, the, the lab, people have labeled it so many things after one Instagram post continue. <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're just really grateful that you, you would take some time out of your day. So thank you for spending the time with us and yeah, uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to be here, not just in the lair, but also in, in Chattanooga and to be with yes. CFC. And like we say to everybody, we're really sorry for the, the bag over your head and the crazy driving and the all. pots and pans and yeah, it's all, just, the, all the distractions. Sorry. So you don't know where you are, but it's, uh, it's been fun. It will not be my last uh, uh, appearance unless you want it to be. But uh, uh, no, we definitely, definitely don't want that. Definitely will be back. And um, you know, I just can't thank everybody enough for the warm welcome. You know, all of the, you know, hey, welcome to the club and everything. The support on our, our uh, season passes has been unbelievable. You know, if you're out there trying to, you know, hesitate and still jump in, get there. Uh, what we've been doing is only going to increase and only be better. But um, I just want to thank you guys. It's been uh, it's been good conversation, and it's been a great uh, beginning here so far with the club, and just couldn't be more excited. Yeah, I think uh, we we have a saying uh, within the chat of hooligans plus us here is uh, once a blue, always a blue, and I don't think that stops at the player. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. You're one of us now, whether you like it or not. You're stuck with us. Yeah, all in. All right, so uh, Jeremy, I know I don't think you're very active on social media, at least that I've seen so far, except for maybe uh, LinkedIn if we count that. But if uh, if if oh. folks wanted to reach out to you on social media, could they? And if they could, where could they find you? No, but they can hit me up at the club and send me an email. It's it's simple. It's Jeremy at ChattanoogaFC.com. Beautiful, um, beautiful. Send me an email. We, we got uh, an email the other day from a owner supporter in Chicago that drove down for the. Uh, uh, Real Betis game, nice. and he's like, "Awesome!" You know, uh, I I didn't get any, I didn't buy anything when I was there that would show that I was at the game, and I want to have something in my office that I can show I was at this game, and I own part of this club. I got my certificate, I got my sign, I picked all that up, but I need something else. So we're gonna send that person a little something, and he did it by just reaching out 
old school way an email so yeah. people, people have questions or thoughts or hey you sounded like an idiot just whatever shoot me an email there um you know i i, I well matt will email you shortly yeah, yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't have given out your email now you really messed up he's already typing uh it's, it's just as, as easy to deal with as uh as twitter so yep you know please uh, reach out cool matt if the people want to yell at you on on the social medias where can they find you i would tell them to bring it on and they can find me on Instagram at I am Caniglio. They can find me on Twitter at Whiskey is Fine. Producer Jay? Um, on Twitter, I am Jay underscore Buchanan. And on Instagram, where I'm most prevalent, is uh, at letter J. Also, I just uh, started a new YouTube channel, and I have a few feature films out. If you guys would go follow that, it's Jay Buchanan, just like my name. I need, I need to subscribe. I saw that little uh, that little short film that you you published. That I was the road to nowhere. Yeah, the road super, to nowhere. Super dope, man. Yeah, I got sick for the past two days because of it, so it was totally worth it. <laughs> your your own personal road to nowhere. True. Uh, Breezy, where can we find you on the social medias? You can just uh, search for Andrew Brzee. I got lucky that I have a very uh, unique name, and I'm at Andrew Brzee on Twitter. That's the best place to yell at me. I like soccer and long Twitter threads. Get at me there. All right, guys. I think we've done. Uh, a great episode. Jeremy, thank you for your time. Uh, until the next one, uh, go CFC. Go CFC. Oh.